0: Actually, I've got a little quiz for you. We have a quiz already, straight away. Well, yeah, we have a news quiz. Okay, <laughs> it, it leads to news, I think. Okay. How do you add a package to a Swift package manifest? Can you, off the top of your head, give me the uh, the incantations you have to
1: you have to make to <laughs> add a package? <laughs> well. Yes, I can, but only because I've been working only on Only because you've segment. cheated, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <clears throat> I have
0: cheated. So what is it? Because I think there's a, tr- there's a there's a part of it that you probably don't know
1: even even though you've stared at this earlier this week. Okay. Okay. Um so you add the dot package um clause in whatever the top area is, you find the top area where, where all the other package closes are. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you add one alongside it, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the technical. That's exactly what it says in the instructions, That's right? what it says in the docs, <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then you find all of the other product areas and you've a product. In yeah, there. right.
0: <laughs> so that's the target <laughs> dependencies. Yeah, right. And there, there it's dot product and um, name and package um, goes in there. It's always, it's never quite clear which one it actually is. Um, but even in the top section, that's, and, and what I'm alluding to is we've started some work around making package instructions easier. Um, And it is actually quite easy if you're working in an Xcode project, because Xcode has some affordances for adding packages to your project. Um, And even um, just by importing something, if if you import a product that Xcode knows about via some mechanism, I think it's if it's in a package collection that you've added to your list of package collections Xcode knows about, then if you do an import statement of a product, it'll actually automatically... And do all the the things that need to be done and add the package to your manifest now this only works if you have an xcode project file uh, and if you're working in an actual xcode project this does not work if you are working on a on a pure swift package mm-hmm. um in that case you actually need to go into the package manifest and add stuff and for quite a while we've had something to help you at least a little bit with that because even the package clause you the first thing you mentioned you know adding the package dependency to the um package clause the top part of your package manifest even that is that line dot package you're not done there because you need to specify what package version you actually want right and there's different variants of That's true. of how you specify that typically it's from colon and then you give a start version and then from that start version it picks the highest released version on the same major version so if you are if you do 1.0.0 it'll take any 1.xy version with the highest x and y possible um but there are a couple of other variants of that and we do support that for instance if a package has a beta release um which would be a branch version that you're following then uh, it has a slightly different clause and i think the clause is and i don't even know i'd have to look i think it's branch colon and then
1: the branch name so honestly just to just to interject on that I've I've not I've not done that manually since the swift package index existed because we do have those we do have those um for the latest stable version and the latest default branch and if there's a beta version we have all of those ready and I've not typed that in manually in a couple of years now.
0: Yeah um, but the thing is that we we're, we're working towards and adding and that was spawned by a little discussion on Mastodon where Matt Masicotti questioned whether it's actually useful to put installation instructions in your readme. And a few people were quick to point out, well, it kind of is important because because of these, you know, intricacies of, of what you need to add. And, you know, you might know the package name, you might not necessarily know the product name, and then, you know, you, you certainly want some instructions on what to add. And the thing we're looking to add as Bit triggered by that discussion although we did have a an issue in our list already was to help with the second part of that and that is the product um, clause or rather the product dependency in your target um, and there we're looking because we have all the information from the package man, package manifest so we know what products a package exports so we can provide a, a select a selection drop down um ui element where you can pick the product that you want to add and then we can you know write out the product clause that we need to copy uh, at least help with that bit of it um and that's what this this little quiz was about you know have this all in one place um so that package authors can just point there rather than have um have this set up and it would then automatically also always be up to date so if you rename your products in your manifest you don't need to worry about your readme going. Um, out of date and and stuff like that. It'll all be almost um, up to date on that installation page.
1: And I think that's a great idea, especially the concept of being able to link to that. So at the moment, and it it will continue to work this way, Um, the use this package button on any package page uh, does like a popover, um where it presents the information if you're using xcode here's the url that you paste into xcode and if you're using a package.swift manifest then here are and it will be the both the package clause and the product clause as you say um the fact that that's a popover will remain but we will give people a uh mechanism to link directly to their package page with that already popped over so that you can link it as inst- installation instructions in your package readme.
0: Yeah, that'd be really nice, really nice to have.
1: We also discussed, and um, this is not going to be in the first uh, deploy of this feature, um, but we also discussed having a uh, like a preview of a package manifest, uh, syntax highlighted um, with the code that you're kind of, selecting with the, with the, by picking the version and the product um, in there too. Now, I'm not sure how, um, how necessary that is, but it is the kind of thing that, um, especially for people just getting started with um, adding uh, dependencies to pure Swift projects that could be helpful.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to hear what people think, because I believe we are, it's really hard to think back how weird that was adding a package dependency the first time. Because I mean, even though I can't remember the syntax, I at least remember there's two things to do and roughly where to put them and then there's enough scaffolding there to to guide me. I couldn't type a package manifest, you know, just type it out for the life of me. I, I, I just couldn't. I'd always need a template. Um, but I'd be really interested to hear if people think this, this is actually useful to see it in the context of a manifest to see where stuff needs to go, or if that's just noise. I, I It's hard to judge when you're sort
1: of familiar enough with it. And if we could take a look over in Apple's direction just for a second, I think um, Xcode being able to manipulate package manifest files better would be an amazing step forward. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I I do vaguely remember there was talk about a swift pm command like add package that would then added to the manifest um but i i'm i don't think that went anywhere or i'm not sure what state that proposal is in but it was talked about at least i just want xcode to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well <laughs> when i say swift pm i i kind of assume that Xcode would gain that capability then also for pure um, right. Swift packages. It's, it's always a bit weird. Uh, Xcode is this, this thing that has this Xcode project kind of mechanism and then Swift PM kind of mechanism. And they're not, they're not the same. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to really um, talk about it. It's almost like it has two different modes of operation in, in those contexts. It's kind of weird.
1: And I had a I had a standing prediction for a few years in iOS Dev Weekly just before um, the um, the conference every year that that my my standing prediction was this would be the year that they would choose Xcode project or package manifest file yeah. and and <laughs> and just have one uh, and that hasn't happened uh, yet so I've stopped predicting it <laughs> yeah well
0: for that to work it would actually start need to start um, supporting um, iOS apps and all that from. A package right, manifest, and that was, right. that was where I thought they would, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that's where I thought they would start going with it, but, uh, but it does not seem to be uh, the current, I mean, it may be the plan for the future, but it does not seem to be the current plan.
0: I mean, it has to at some point, right? I do wonder if that might happen in the context of a, there was a pitch, uh, it's quite a while ago now, to redo the package manifest and do it in a, um, what's it called, the builder um, mechanism you know like the dsl mechanism to go away you know from this um struct that you fill in kind of mechanism to uh a a builder dsl kind of mechanism and i wonder if that might happen all at the same time maybe for swift 6 or something that that, that format will change and then incorporate the other things possibly at the same time i i don't know I, but i
1: i do feel it's it's not ideal the way it is right now mm-hmm. So, anyway, the good news is it will get a little bit easier if we, um, or or should I say when we deploy uh, these improvements. Yeah, definitely. There's another thing which has been going on this week. Uh, At the end of, it's actually at the end of last week, that um, uh, we submitted a pull request onto Swift.org with the first stage of uh, an integration between some of the data coming out of the Swift Package Index and the official swift.org website. So this is something we've been working on for a little while now, and um, it's it's in pull request at the moment. So... (laughs) this is very much a kind of first step towards uh, some kind of integration between uh, the two sites and the first thing that we're doing there is some package lists so uh, we've proposed a new page on Swift.org, org um, and it's in the top level menu as packages um, and you can in fact you can actually see a uh, mock-up or a prototype of what we are proposing to uh, merge into the site. If you go to the swift.org open source project and look for the issue that was opened uh, by me. And uh, the very first uh, title in that issue is a link to the um, hosted prototype that we've, that we've got. Um, So it's a packages page and on that page is a list of currently three uh, sets of different packages. Um, There's one called Community Showcase, which is going to link to packages that we mentioned here on this podcast. And actually, this is the reason I'm talking about this. One of the reasons is uh, we would love to know if you um, write a newsletter or have run a podcast or something like that, where you talk about other people's Swift packages. And if you do, please get in touch. Um, You can get in touch via our Discord, which we'll link in the show notes, because we'd love to get more sources of people talking and writing about uh, the package ecosystem and include those packages on the community showcase section of this new packages page. Um, We then have a couple Uh, and I think this will be expanded before the pull request is merged, Uh, a couple of lists based on keywords. So we currently have uh, packages that are referenced by the networking keyword and the testing keyword, Uh, but I think we're gonna potentially expand that a little bit more before we uh, uh, look at merging it. And of course, there will be a whole process of review before any of this gets merged. So this is not just gonna go straight through. This is uh, genuinely a uh, an open source pull request that, that's going to go through to the to the site, and we hope that it gets merged. but uh, of course it it may look different to what we proposed uh, by the time that happens.
0: um and of course, the lists would be changing, I mean, not not daily or anything, but they'd be on a right refresh cycle of of some sort, uh, maybe a couple of weeks. but the the idea would be obviously that the especially the categories are collecting packages that are good starting points for certain you know topics like networking and testing as examples that would host packages there that that you should you know take a look at if you're working in that realm yeah um something else i i kind of thought of but might be a nice section as as i was preparing for the podcast and that was highlighting packages that coincide with new language features so for instance when swift uh, 5.9 Um, comes out officially I mean obviously we're already using it we're even already testing it but it's it's in pre-release form but it might be interesting to have a section about macro packages for instance when 5.9 officially comes out and people you know more people will start adopting it Uh, obviously people are beginning to adopt it now but I guess we're early days in the adoption curve so in September maybe that might be an interesting collection to have and then obviously you know other swift languages language versions will will have other things so stuff like that might be interesting as well for a section
1: there we could definitely do that and that could also be one of the so the testing and networking um tagged packages they're not fully automated but we ha- we do have a tool that will will generate the um the, the the data that that goes into the swift.org website for those two tags and anything that could go through our search system so for example we can now search on packages that have the uh, macro um product type in there um we could do a similar thing for for really anything on that search uh, criteria couldn't we
0: yeah yeah definitely um i mean i it's a question open question how long those lists should be um we probably need to sort and truncate um at some point but it's certainly easy to at least get started with a list and then um go through and and apply some further selection criteria i guess
1: so if you have um either if you do do something yourself or if you know of if- somebody who is interested in talking about swift packages maybe a podcast that you listen to has a, a section or something like that where people can 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 pick up uh, a package pick a package <laughs> it's a tongue twister <laughs> um, um yeah please do get in touch and we'll uh we'll we'll see if we can um get something more structured t- together to do with how the community showcase packages are built up yeah, or even
0: just for the podcast let, let us know if um I mean, we do monitor of course new additions to the index or releases and stuff like that but it's you know it, there are enough coming in now that uh it's easy to miss one or maybe not give it the attention it deserves and a a ping and a nudge is a great way to yeah to highlight um a package that is worth talking about and then we, we discussed that one of the sections, I mean, obviously our podcast would also be a source of input for that community selection. So that's certainly a good way of, of getting something in. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's one thing I noticed looking at these lists and I, and I wonder if you feel the same. And I, I think I even mentioned this before. When I look at this networking packages, the first package is swift-neo. Then we have Alarm of Fire pulse, moya. It's, it strikes me there's a there's this weird inconsistency about swift package names um we we have a couple others that that sprung out and i think it's i got reminded because this is one of the few areas that i've seen multiple packages listed side by side and then it becomes more pronounced like we have combined dash schedulers all lowercase swift dash snapshot dash testing all lowercase so we have a a couple of packages that follow, I think it's Apple's guideline to have these package names that are lowercase and, and um, kebab case, you know, with dashes in between the words. Um, interestingly, the very first word in Swift Neo is, Swift Neo is an open source network application framework and Swift Neo there is spelled like Swift data or Swift UI It's Swift and then capital NIO. So apparently the actual package name is swift neo like like i just described in the swift ui kind of spelling it's weird to me that the identifier that is used in the package manifest is sort of like an identifier type label you know it's it's almost as if something's leaking out that shouldn't be leaking out and the proper package name should be something else and i wonder if that's ever going to change, if there's ever going to be some sort of guideline what the what the name should be, but i it strikes me as weird that these these names pop up like this and and we're not doing anything special we're we're picking the package name here as it is defined in the package manifest, and it could very well be something different i'm I'm a bit puzzled why why it's been chosen like this. Um, I don't know, do do, do you feel the same or is that just me being being OCD?
1: Don't get me started. (laughs) All right. (laughs) My biggest problem with all of this is why do we need Swift in the name? Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean I can understand so on GitHub if you want your repository to be descriptive on GitHub where it like lives in an ecosystem exactly. of every possible language you I can understand it there but why in the package name yep. are we including the word swift I do not understand it um my personal preference would be to just use camel case uh, sorry not camel case what do they call it um uh, the one where every letter is capitalized pascal case pascal case that's right um yeah my personal preference would be for Pascal case or something like that, but but I don't really care what we pick as a community. i, I you mentioned an apple guideline. i I've, I'm not familiar with an apple guideline. i I'm only familiar with the way they've started to name all their packages, so maybe that's referencing a guideline I haven't seen. Um, but it does seem to be hyphens and all lowercase, but they all also include the word Swift, which, yeah, baffles me.
0: I mean, by all means, call your repository Swift Dash if it's on GitHub, and you really want to be Mm -hmm. sure that people, you know, don't stumble into your project thinking it's it's Rust or something. But the package name—I mean, I I mentioned this before. Like, if you look in your sidebar in Xcode, and you look at dependencies, it's Swift Dash, Swift Dash, Swift Dash. It's all Swift Dash, and you. There's so much noise in there and you, you can't even tell at first glance what your dependencies are, and then they're are out of sort order, because some actually you know, start with S, they're mixed in with all the Swift ones, and it's it's a huge mess. And I don't understand why why we've gone down this path to to leak all this you know, it's like we're not naming I mean, I know in Fortran you used to in your variable names you'd have the type, you know, an integer type I think started or ended with an I um, and F for or real R for for real and and yeah you know, we're not doing that anymore because the type system can actually reflect that properly, but we we always uh, we're always tacking stuff into names when there's no need it's it's bizarre I I, I don't like it
1: <laughs> yeah I I forget what the what the uh, convention was called but. Um, I think that there was a, it was very popular in the C uh, days and you would encode the type in your variable name. So the one I always remember is LPSZ, and then a name which was a long pointer to a string zero terminated mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, and then the name of your variable and i agree we, we don't do that anymore and that's a good thing
0: but that's weird i thought everything was just void star
1: in c <laughs> do you remember the do you remember the the, the naming convention name i i forget i forgot it but in c no. Yeah, in C where you did the LPSZ and I and you know whatever. No, no, I never I, I never
0: really did that. I, I remember it in Fortran. Was it Hungarian? I think it might even have been required in Fortran. That's that's all I know. In C I only use C with with proper variable names.
1: <laughs> I think it might have been Hungarian notation. I think that might have been the uh mm-hmm. uh the, the name of it but I'm not sure Some, somebody I'm sure is going to point, point out that that I'm incorrect <laughs> we, we'll be sure to follow up <laughs> the other thing we should just uh, briefly talk about before we move on to package recommendations is uh, our sponsors um, so um, for quite a while now we've had um, the support of a couple of corporate um, sponsors we've had um, both Stream and Emerge Tools who have both very kindly supported the site um, for I think over a year now, um, in fact, yeah, way over a year. And um, they have been just wonderful. They believed in the project from the very beginning and uh, we we um, uh, we thank them so much for their support. But what we don't want to do is just have the same set of sponsors over and over again. And we wanna keep the site a little bit fresh. We wanna make sure that, um, that people coming to the site see Different links every every now and then, uh, and so we've been in conversations with a couple of uh, new companies who um, just went live with their sponsorships on the site uh, last week. So those companies are um, Point Free uh, and Telemetry Deck. So why don't you tell us a bit about those two companies? Son?
0: Yeah, so Point Free, you might know um, uh, Brandon uh, Williams and um, Steven Sellis who uh, are creating, creating a great video series about architecture testing and more. It's a really great site. You should check it out. I, I use their stuff personally. They have lots of open source packages as well. So that's a really great place to check. And Telemetry Deck is a service providing lightweight, privacy-focused analytics for a- apps and websites. So that's also a great place to check out. Um, I think in particular recently, there was a change with Google Analytics not being um. It anymore. I think you can't use it in um, the EU anymore. Um, so that might be a good reason to look at Telemetry Deck to change your analytics on your website.
1: I think just like with Stream and Emerge Tools, um, the key thing about both of these new sponsors is they are part of this community. This is not um, some company that's just kind of coming in looking for the eyeballs of iOS developers. I mean, I'm sure they would, they would love it if you went and checked out what they do, but um stream emerge tools telemetry deck and point free are all absolutely at the heart of this community as well and and that's really important to us because we want to you know we don't want to overload the site with advertising and that was that was something that we've been um very keen to keep uh top of our minds uh, since the beginning um but we do have a little bit of advertising on the homepage um and but I think it's it's better if that advertising comes from the community and that's what we're trying to do here. It's also worth just noting that this is not any increase in the number of adverts or the amount of advertising or anything like that. This is just um, rotating around some sponsors and uh, we would love to have um, uh, Stream and Emerge tools back at some time in the future and they would love to come back at some point, but we want to keep that uh, that cycle fresh.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I do think there's a, there's a real indie vibe there and i do, did mention um brandon and and steven i should also mention danieliel who's the uh, creator of telemetry deck and and these are you know just indie developers um that have started these these companies and they're now supporting us and that's
1: that's just great and lisa figas as well is at telemetry deck too right yeah sorry i, I only knew of uh Dan. no problem uh, yes i've been doing most of the uh the, the conversations with the, <laughs> with with them so um so yeah, thank you so much to our new sponsors, and thank you also to our uh, uh, to our sponsors who are currently um, uh, cycling out. So that's um, just a little bit of an update on the sponsorship of the site. Of course, the other main sponsorship we have is we have GitHub sponsors. So uh, if you can go um, to any of our open source repositories, there should be a button there to, for GitHub sponsors, or on the site itself, just above the two advertisements is um, a button for, how to support us on GitHub sponsors. And then of course the other sponsor that we have is uh, Apple. And you can see all of that information on our supporters page, which is on the homepage, linked from the menu bar on the homepage of uh, the site. There you go. So thank you so much to all of everybody who keeps this project going. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, let's do some recommendations. Do you want to kick us off? let's start with um, a package called color toolbox. I'm continuing uh, my theme of color based packages from, uh, from last episode Uh, color toolbox by uh, Ramon Torres. And this is um, unlike the last one that I, that I mentioned, this is a, not a color palette uh, library. This is a individual color utility library. Um, So it, provides, it's, it's not a huge package, it's a kind of utility package. It will help you um, uh, kind of shorthand a little bit of your color management code. Um, and then probably one of the most useful things, uh, which I, I am surprised that the the, the standard, um, uh, well, we talked about how complex color is last time, um, but also at the same time, it would be great to be able to bring in um, web hex colors into UI and NS colors and Swift UI colors. And that's one of the things that this does. You You can also take a color and get a hex value out of it, but then it's got a couple of also useful little features like um, you can detect the contrast R- ratio, which is really useful when you're oh, nice. uh, yeah. checking your site for access- accessibility. So you can you can check the, um, the WCAG uh, contrast ratio um, of any color to any other color. Um, and you can also, and this is something that I really find very useful, you can lighten or darken a color by a certain amount. So you can say, make this color 20% lighter than, than it was previously. And that's so useful for little things like If you have like a header and you might want to have Mm. to differentiate the background color, a page or or a a view or something like that from, from the header, you can just lighten it or darken it a little bit. And that's a really nice way to, uh, to get some subtlety in there. So it's a small package. It's the kind of thing that, um, if you, if you use it, it's, it's only been developed for 22 days, so it's fairly new, uh, but it might come in useful and it's color toolbox by Ramon Torres. Nice
0: right my first pick is called file monitor by chris simon and that's a really nice package and what it does is monitor file system changes so imagine you want to monitor a directory for any changes within you know like creations deletions and modifications of files you can spin this up and then uh, have a sort of a subscription or callback um to notify you of, of stuff that's happening and that it's really nice the, the thing that i that i noticed that i found especially nice is that it it supports linux as well and and obviously you can can imagine there might be some significant differences in in you know doing this on linux um, and i believe there are so um this is a nice package if you have need for this both on Macos and linux um, it's a very simple interface. You can try it out in a playground as well to to get a feel for it. Um, it works as adver- advertised, and it's a nice, neat package giving you file system notifications for uh, whenever you need that. You know, you might be doing some. Um, I I remember seeing this being used, for instance, in Publish the other the other day, where it's monitoring the file system for changes and then retrigger a a build of the of the package um publish obviously being a package to create a um website and then you you could automatically trigger rebuilds and then you would have to reload your page and all that mm-hmm. so that's that's perhaps a nice application for that if if you're looking for that sort of thing so that's file monitor by chris simon
1: yeah it sounds useful my next package continues a theme that i think i'm <laughs> becoming like I think it's becoming my thing on is it about colors? It's not about colors no. <laughs> it's about having an amazing name for a package <laughs> actually, this it goes on it goes on to our our discussion around um swift hyphen, lowercase, uppercase. um this does not have the word Swift in the name, uh, and it it instantly stood out to me as I need to know what that package does. Um, so the package is called rearrange. Uh, and it's by Matt Masicotti who I think you mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast actually I did yeah so again this is a small package um that is dealing with extensions and um uh, utilities for making it easier to work with ranges so ns range ns text range um it's particular Matt says in the readme it says it's it's particularly handy when used with the Cocoa text system um so the kind of thing you can do here with like an NS range, you can shift a range by a delta. You can uh, shift the start of, of a range. You can shift the end of a range. Uh, so you can very quickly, um, if you're, for example, as Matt mentions, that if you're working with text, you might want to change the the, the uh, range of a selection of text and you might want to shrink shrink it or shift it left or right. And then there are various other things you can do with NS text range and UI text range and index set and string. Um and again, not not a package that's going to be immediately useful to everybody, but I'm a sucker for a good name, and this is a great name. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Matt, uh, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he is, yes. He's he's actually a great supporter of the project as well. So it's nice to uh, nice to give him a shout out on the uh, on the podcast. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Right, my second package is called Swift Concurrency Extras, <laughs> and it's a package by Point Free. And uh, disclosure, which we've just given you, Point Free are a sponsor. <laughs> but but anyone who's been following me <laughs> knows I'm a huge Point Free fan, and can hardly be surprised that I'm again mentioning a package of theirs. So here you go, Swift Concurrency Extras. This is a package they released just last week, I believe. Uh, And it's about um, testing asynchronous code, which is notoriously difficult. There is sort of a motivational um, link that I'll add to the show notes where they've raised issues around testing, uh, in particular, Swift concurrency code on the Swift forums that sort of spawned all their investigation into this. And they actually came up with a solution to deal with this. And the, the problem is that it's in, in a heavily concurrent system, it's, it's difficult to do testing because you sort of need to assert on an order of, of, um, tasks or an order of execution, which you don't really have, because if it's concurrent stuff can happen out of order. Um, but that's really hard to assert on then. Um, and what they've done is they came up with something to, to actually use a serial executor in test context so that everything really happens um, deterministically and you can actually rely on the order of the tests. so you're not actually changing your production code that stays all the same but you inject a serial executor that sort of then takes all the concurrency out of the equation and, and just executes stuff serially as if you had only one single task and a single executor that's doing everything and that then allows you to assert on all the steps and and have reason about the order in which things are happening right and in case that wasn't clear this is really for testing only you shouldn't be messing with this in production obviously because you know you'd screw you'd screw over your um concurrency system with that um and the repository comes with a really good example to illustrate why that is necessary why you might want that why you would need that um, and it's not a, a convoluted example. You you very easily end up in situations where it might appear to be working, but if you run a test often enough, it'll eventually fail. And eventually, isn't isn't a large number? It can be tens or twenty or a hundred runs where it'll happen. And obviously, that's that's no good in CI. If every tenth run fails, that's that's terrible because you'll always be chasing of course some odd failures. So this this is a really great tool to be able to deal with that. Um, the package comes with a couple of other nice things things that we're actually already using in the swift package index because they are structures that have actually um, published individually earlier on and they've now pushed this into this package and they're called actor isolated and lock isolated these are little wrappers around structs to make them safe for use in testing and to make them uh, to avoid race conditions in your testing when you're asserting on stuff that that um, uh, you know for instance you have a variable that you want to to save stuff into and and uh, it's not um, it's not living in a, a concurrency context you could lo- use lock isolated to allow access to that um, struct without worrying about um, race conditions and stuff like that. So, this is a really nice package if you're into testing um, and in, if you're having trouble with testing of um, uh, things that are heavily concurrent or using making use of async await. And that's called Swift Concurrency
1: Extras by Point Free. I think if there was a feature in Swift Package Manager where you could subscribe to every package from an organization, then then point three would be added to the Swift Package Index uh, <laughs> manifest in that way. Well, you're trolling me right now, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not going to bite then. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, my final package uh, for today is um, a SwiftUI package, and um, it's from um, Vanson Leung, uh, and it's called SwiftUI VP Switch. Uh, And it's basically a replacement for the iOS style toggle where you have uh, a rounded, um kind of lozenge shape with a circle at one end and in one position it's on and when you slide that across it into the other position it's off um and this is just a really nice implementation of a design style that i've seen all over the place actually on if you ever look through um dribble or any of the design inspiration sites you'll see this kind of effect quite often and this is an implementation of it in swift ui so imagine if you had for example a switch that was representing day mode and night mode um, you might have an image that at the top of the image represented a starry night sky something like that with maybe the moon in it or something you know something similar to represent the concept of night and on on the bottom of the image you could have a set of clouds and bright kind of blue sky or something like that to represent a daytime toggle. And as you toggle the switch from on to off, what it does is it animates the background of the switch up and down to move between the day and the night states in the kind of viewport, the, the masking viewport of the switch itself. Hard to explain. Go and have a look at the readme. There's a beautiful animation there. <laughs> I was just going to ask if it's in the readme because I, I had yeah, there is. trouble following along. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i got I got halfway through and realized I had to continue because I couldn't just stop it halfway, but also the best thing to look at look at here is is just go and have a look at the readme and um it's the kind of thing that uh that I think is a lovely little i, I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate putting this kind of effect on every switch in your application, mm. but if you've got a really important switch, then this is the kind of thing that can highlight how important that switch is yeah nice. Definitely need to check that out. That
0: sounded really interesting. Yeah, go and have a look at the readme.
1: So it's a Swift UI VP Switch by uh, Vanson Leong. Nice.
0: Right, my third pick is called TLD Extract Swift by Marco Eidinger. Not sure why, why he put Swift in the name there, but <laughs> <laughs> otherwise the name gives away what it does. It it's an it's it's one of these packages. I picked it mainly to talk a bit about things that are um deceptively simple Um, not that it's overly complicated but it's it's really easy to fall into this this slide trap and what it does is it extracts the tld top level domain and the root domain and subdomain from a host name uh and this package is recommended to you by the ministry of how hard can it be right because you just split (laughs) by the you know the dots and then take the last two elements right that's your that's your root domain Except greetings for example.co.uk, right? Because that isn't th- that isn't the, the root domain. The um, the last two because that co.uk are considered as the root domain. So that's the that's that's not a domain you can uh, register. Um, And there's actually, I I didn't know this, there's a public suffix list um, on the web that lists out, and Japan has the same, there's .co.jp, and Australia, I think, as well. Some countries have uh, a second level of official domains under their national domain that they um, hand out, you know, they're sort of, um, I don't know what you call them, like, regulated, you know, you can't freely get those domains there. Um and it's one of these things, right? It's very easy to not consider that when you're doing that sort of thing. And then suddenly uh, co is your subdomain or rather your your um uh top domain and when it actually isn't because you've you you had an off by one error. Um the other thing this package has, it has a CI setup to actually refresh from this public suffix list um automatically. So it does checks and uh, i guess releases as well if it changes and you can even run if you use the package you can run it yourself so you can actually refresh this list on the fly not that i think it changes that often but it's always nice to have this sort of thing considered because you can rely on this package to track um any sort of changes there so nice little package tld extract swift by marco eidinger
1: when you first said the name of that package i thought you said TLDR but no it sounds. it's not as <laughs> <laughs> And that brings another episode of uh, of the podcast to an end. So um we will be back in a couple of weeks. Um please do um let us know if you um have any uh, packages or um ideas for sources of community package recommendations for our uh, Swift.org community showcase. And um, yeah, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah. See you in two weeks. Bye-bye.
0: See you then. Bye-bye.